You're listening to China Africa Talk. Hello, I'm Zanele Butelezi, and this is China Africa Talk. In this episode, we are talking about the 50th anniversary of the World Heritage Convention, the text that launched the World Heritage Sites list. And I'll be joined by Professor Liu Zhou, who's the director of the National Heritage Center at Tsinghua University. The World Heritage Convention demonstrates the force of human beings to protect the cultural and the natural heritage. It's very important. And in South Africa, we have Mr. Swaibu Varisu, the executive director of the African World Heritage Fund. Currently, we have 1,154 well heritage sites, and only 12% of those, those sites are located on the African continent. UNESCO is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the World Heritage Convention. It is UNESCO's master plan for carrying out its work to preserve protect and promote the world's most valuable natural and cultural sites. Since its inception, more than 1,100 sites have been placed on the list of the World Heritage Sites, from the Great Wall of China to the Great Zimbabwe Ruins. Italy boasts the most, with 58, followed by China with 56 while the continent of Africa accounts for only 12% of the listed attractions. Why should the world celebrate the 50th anniversary of the World Heritage Convention? How is China-Africa cooperation supporting the protection of World Heritage Sites and preservation efforts in Africa? I began by asking Mr. Swaibu Varisu about the origins of the convention. And it's uh, a year worth to be celebrated because the World Hated Convention is a test of universal scope that was adopted by the General Assembly of UNESCO in 1972 after a number of uh, happenings you know, in the world. The most important thing that happened and then generated that test was uh, in Egypt, where in view of uh, the president of Egypt at that time in the 1950s, he was, uh, let's say, building or reinforcing or putting in place some economic development mechanism, including the construction of a dam in the southern part of Egypt. And... uh, then uh, during the, the, the excavations, they could uh, notice that uh, there are massive, massive archaeological sites there linked to the pharaonic uh, civilization. So the dam would, uh, you know, flood the whole archaeological remains. That's where an international movement led by UNESCO as, and known as the Nubian campaign was then launched. And then it's uh, led to the fact that uh, international community, community comes together to protect and save a, a place, a hated place, which is uh, qualified of outstanding value. And in Egypt, what happened is that uh, those temples, those archaeological features were taken piece by piece and then removed to a safer place at Chile, 
And that's the spirit of the convention where the world come, comes together to identify, but also protect places, hated places, being natural and cultural places that have outstanding value. It's interesting that the history is traced back to Africa, where Africa is also seen as the, the cradle of humankind. I find that very interesting. And so it also must be very significant that we are celebrating this milestone, right? You, you are correct. Because the same campaign was then repeated in other, in other sites, sites, like in Carthage in Tunisia, a few years after, but also in Cambodia, you know, with the... The, so you, you have that repetition that happened everywhere. But this 50-year celebration has a particular taste in Africa, indeed, because, you know, the convention itself is about the promotion of, uh, you know, protection of places, having outstanding values, but also about the promotion of peace and dialogue of uh, civilizations. And uh, for Africa, facing a number of particular challenges when it comes to, you know, implementing the World Heritage Convention, which is the instrument we are talking of here. It's of particular importance. You know, there are two or three main things that I can relate quickly about the African situation. The first one is that when you look at the number of uh, properties that are on the World Heritage List, currently we have 1,154 well hated sites and only 12% of those, those sites are located on the African continent, making 139. So that is perceived by the internal community as a, a challenge. Hence, within UNESCO, the Priority Africa uh, flagship program has been launched recently, and hence also the African Well Hated Fund was created to try and address those specific challenges that our continent is facing. In addition to the number of sites inscribed on the World Heritage List, which is looked as underrepresenting African richness and diversity in terms of heritage, we also have the, you know, the quality of conservation. And you will know that our, the African continent is facing a number of challenges, including terrorism and security issues, you know, climate change matters, but also uh, flooding and other under-resourced of uh, heritage places as well. This is putting a lot of pressure, hence, on the sub-list of the World Heritage site that are on what we call the World Heritage List in danger. Currently, we have 51 sites that are more or less threatened because of the poor management, the poor management and condition for conservation. And on those 51, we have 21 on the African continent. You will have noticed that I'm talking more of African continent than African region, which is differently from UNESCO region. So 21, it makes it 40%. So those challenges are there that our continent are facing. And last, the third thing that I can say quickly is about how do we make sure that, uh, you know, the imperative to protect heritage places can be twinned with the imperative to develop economically the, the continent. You see, there are a lot of clashes and opposition where the protection, you know, rational would prevent some economic development, like in terms of construction of dams, building of infrastructure, building of roads and things like that. And these are challenges that are not specific to Africa, but uh, are worth to be highlighted in this year's celebration.
Mm-hmm. You touched on a number of uh, very critical issues such as development as well as you know the challenges that some of the sites are facing as well as underrepresentation when it comes to Africa. Uh, but we'll come back to those uh, topics later on. Let me come back to you, Professor Liu Zhou. What to you stands out when you look back at the past uh, five decades? As I understand, the World Heritage Convention demonstrates the filth of human being to protect the, the cultural and the nature heritage. It's very important. It's idea as we think the, the world as a community. In this community, we have a very important great monument and uh, building uh, groups and also some important sites. And this not only belongs to the, the, the people who built them, but also belongs to a whole community. Everybody want to protect them. So it's a a good idea to think of the human society as a village, as the people, you know, living together, we're working together, we have the same idea, we want to do some, you know, important things to show our civilization, to protect our civilization. I think it's uh, it's it's most important things. As I know, Africa play a very important role when we have this. When, at the beginning time, when we have this uh, convention, some of uh, Africa state part is the earliest, you know, join this convention. They do a lot, very strong contribution, very important contribution to establish these uh, convention and also at the beginning for this World Heritage List. Also for China, I think now uh, we also pay a lot of attention to this convention because uh, for us it's also very important to, to join these, to participate in this uh, international the conservation movement to protect the natural heritage and the cultural heritage and also during this process, we're very uh, happy to use this heritage size. And when we give interpretation of the value of these size, make us say the international society can understand what is Chinese civilization. China right now has about 56 sites that are listed mm-hmm. out of the 1,154 sites that are on the World Heritage Sites list. What's the secret behind China's success in ensuring that it gets its sites that it values on this list? I think the most important things for China because uh, the capacity building is also a, a very important part for the global strategy of World Heritage. As you know, these, uh, we call these uh, global uh, strategy as uh, 5C strategy is including the credibility for the list, how to have a credibility list, and also uh, conservation, how to protect the heritage size and the capacity building, and also uh, communication and the community is very, played a very important role in the world heritage conservation and management. Uh, For China, since uh, 2004, 28th 
World Heritage Committee session held by China. After that, we have a lot of training program for the, the professional people. So now we have some uh, professional teams. The focus to the protection of uh, these World Heritage sites for uh, make the protection uh, plan and uh, to do the management and to do the monitoring. And also the other very important things is uh, to identify the outstanding universal value of heritage sites. I think because it's a very important base to understand the outstanding universal value of the heritage sites. It's possible to show how the importance of these sites. Why you say it's world heritage? It should be a world heritage because the value, because it has outstanding universal value. I think it's a very challenging work because uh, you need to expand these uh, ideas, this value to somebody not in this uh, cultural context. They may know nothing for this culture, but you how to transform this knowledge or, or this idea to them to make them to understand that. So it needs a lot of training, a lot of practice. So because uh, I think we use uh, about 20 years, now this kind of professional team is became uh, very active. I think it's also at the beginning, we give this training in our universities. So it's make young people really interested about. They can do some research for that. And also the team should be uh, cover many fields. It's not only for conservation, but also for, you know, now we emphasize the participation of uh, communities, how to make communities involve that, how to make communities interest about this conservation. It's also a, you need a technique. You need some professional people to do this work. So everything for the study of history, for study of cultural is also important. So university can play a very active role in this kind of training. You mentioned earlier, Mr. Verusu, the number of uh, World Heritage sites that are on the list. I'm wondering, what do you attribute this underrepresentation of uh, African sites on this World Heritage list to? I can attribute three, three reasons to why Africa is not represented enough on the World Heritage List. The first one is uh, that, you know, the convention, World Heritage Convention is about tangible and immovable heritage. And uh, it's very much linked to attributes, let's say, to a mode of representation that are very much linked to Western vision. That's one thing that uh, a number of colonized countries didn't they, they drag their feet to find the, the balance in that system. Is things are going on, including in terms of innovation, but that's one reason where the the standards are not completely domesticated, you know, in all regions in the world. The second reason, which for me is even more important, is touching to the capacity that Professor Zur was talking of currently uh, previously. You know, this is a field when you learn by doing. You don't go to university, you know, study archaeology, even heritage sciences, and you become a world heritage specialist. You need to be given an opportunity, you know, to put nomination dossiers together, 
you need to be given an opportunity to attend monitoring mission and field field trips. And that kind of opportunity is not equally shared in the world. I can even say that uh, is once again, and that's unfortunate, is still our West, Western colleagues who most of the time would even come to assess the nomination dossiers in Africa and also to conduct monitoring mission. It's not that expertise doesn't exist in Africa, it exists, but as long as we don't give them or the system doesn't give them enough opportunity to be exposed, then it's hard to learn. And then the third reason that I would like to say, but it's just for me a matter of perception. When we, we are talking of poor representation for Africa, it's only when we consider the numbers of scientists. But when you start looking at the surfaces, the superficies, you see that one single pack in Africa is two, three European countries in terms of uh, you know square kilometers. So it's also a matter of which parameter we are using to see all regions, including Africa. So I wouldn't uh, emphasize too much the issue around underrepresentation of Africa, but I think that more work has to be done to highlight, to lift, to improve the image and position of Africa in the world regions. The African World Heritage Fund was created in 2006 to address some of these challenges that you are raising right now. So how far has the fund been able to go in terms of trying to ensure that Africa is uh, well represented and also we have more sites that are being nominated and uh, maybe in the future, near future, they are able to make it on the list. So how far has your work gone in trying to redress some of these uh, imbalances? The African World Heritage Fund doesn't work alone in this field. It's based in China. We work together on a number of, uh, of programs. Of course, we have to do more. So what I'm trying to say is that if you look at it now from African World Heritage Fund, there are a number of training programs that have been put in place. And these training have produced results you know, in terms of upscaling you know, the, the skills needed in World Heritage Field. But also we've engaged at political level you know, a number of uh, role players and also on the ground, like Professor was saying also. Through, for instance, we had three main programs, one on how to put together nomination files, and that happened once every year. We also have a full program on conservation matters and through management planning, but also through risk management. We also have a full program on how to build sustainability, you know, from heritage places through, for instance, entrepreneurship, but also risk assessment and uh, all the impact assessment programs. So we have those, those courses that are in place, but we still have to work more so that on one hand, you know, the professional field in heritage is directly linked to education system. In, in China, for instance, the intervention of universities has produced the, the result that we are seeing. And this uh, move toward with, we are also going with the UNESCO and the advisory bodies, you know, to see how a number of universities in Africa can develop curricula, you know, when it comes to heritage and what heritage matters. That's one move that we are doing. The other move that we are really doing to build sustainability is about the empowerment of the youth. We have a number of programs about youth empowerment. And now, nowadays we have a number of young champions who are making their ways, you know, in terms of uh, 
heritage, and this is now touching to overall, you know, theme of the 50th anniversary celebration, which is world heritage as a source of resilience, humanity, and innovation. And the series of celebrations that happen, uh, that are still happening in Africa this year, being in Cape Town in South Africa in May 2022, or uh, in Cameroon, you know, in September 2022, and those one that we are still planning that will happen in Tanzania, in Arusha, then in December, and the other one that happened in November in Dakar, and also the other one that we are planning in Namibia in January. So these are a number of celebrations that are trying to reflect on the strategy, or the, let's say how efficient have the strategies implemented uh, been, so that we really improve the profile of Africa on the world heritage list. But lots needs to be done, including in terms of funding. And I would just like to use this platform also to call for you know, more cooperation, if I can say, uh, with the other Chinese colleagues about world heritage in terms of skill development, but also in terms of financial assistance, because China was the, one of the first state parties that uh, donate you know, a fund to AWHO to start. And then we would like that that kind of support could be reiterated between as well as uh, the skill development programs. Professor Lujo, you wanted to come in earlier on and add on to the cooperation between China and Africa in terms of skills, capacity building programs. Um, what are some of the initiatives that you can elaborate on Last year, in uh, 2021, the 44 committee session uh, held in uh, China, in Fuzhou, and also the Vice Premier, uh, Madame Sun, uh, at the opening ceremony, Madame Sun Chunlan gave uh, emphasis China will give a strong support for this uh, cooperation between China and Africa. And the central government will give uh, financial support for the budget for this cooperation and also will invite more Africa students come to China in the university and to do the research. And, and also for us, with the plan under the frame of UNESCO, we have planned to invite some young professional people from Africa to the Chinese team, work with us. And uh, we can have more practice for young professional people. They can uh, have uh, some idea for methodology of how to prepare the, the nomination uh, dossier and also uh, how think about uh, how to make the conservation and the management plan and also how to deal with the monitoring work. We, we try to have this uh, kind of program. Uh, as Shaibu just mentioned, and uh, I think now uh, some of uh, training programmer, the, the symposium hold by WeTrip. So we hope with more Africa young professional people, they involve these programmer. We would like to see more and more Africa heritage sites be recognized by World Heritage List. So especially, I think, for the situation of Africa, the cultural landscape 
It's very important、uh, for Africa to find the way to expand the Africa civilization. How important with、uh, the relationship between nature and、uh, and the the community between the nature and、uh, and the culture. I think in all of these fields, we have a lot of opportunity to cooperate. Not only you know、uh, for Africa, but also for Chinese people. Ourselves can understand the Africa civilization. Can involve more the conservation work or the management in this kind of、uh, Africa heritage sites. Mr. Varisu, a list of about fifty-three sites that have been stated as being in danger. Twenty-two of them are in Africa. So. Do you expect the cooperation that you have with China to help in protecting as well as managing and preserving the sites that we have, so that we don't try to gain more on the list, but also on the other side we are losing sites that are not being well taken care of, or they suffer because of、uh, issues such as conflicts or climate change, as you mentioned earlier. What kinds of plans are there to ensure that we do deal with this issue of、uh, protecting and conserving the ones that are already identified and、uh, are on the list? No, I think、uh, there are two angles to look at here. On one hand, it's important to see how well heritage framework, including sites, can be used as an asset to build sustainability. So sustainability is about、uh, protection of sites. It's also about the livelihood of people who are there, so the cooperation is key. And I think opportunities that、uh, will be given through the cooperation with China, the partnership with with, with the, the Chinese government, but also Chinese organizations, be with, with Africa will will be key. I would not see only Africans go to China, but also the other way around. Yes, because we are in a nation. Yes, and sharing then experience. For me, for in terms of skill development, that's that's key that we look at things that way. The other other item that I would really emphasize here、uh, to build sustainability is about funding, and I think、uh, by using the example of China to set up sustainable funding mechanism in Africa, I think is key. With this one channel is through UNESCO. Headquarters in Paris, but another channel is to also develop, you know, direct cooperation with African organizations that are based in Africa, a being professional organization, but also a Pan-African organization like the African Heritage Fund. You see, so I'm looking at it two ways, in terms of capacity building through、uh, skill development, but also capacity building through sustainable funding. And of course, we need also the political support at both sides from AU, African Union perspective, but also from China perspective. I think the summit that、uh, even a gather Chinese government and Africa, the China Africa summit that happen periodically can also be one platform when we can showcase, you know, world heritage issues as a lever for development. Professor Liu Zhou. Looking at the expertise that China has or has gained, the experiences that China has gained, what do you think the world can learn from China's experiences? 
the value base for us is important. So we focus to that. And also uh, recent year, for example, in uh, some of uh, heritage sites as uh, in Kulongshu and also recently in Beijing, we really interest uh, how to you know involve the community to participate in the conservation work and also how they share the benefits when we do the to protect or manage these heritage sites. So I think it's very interesting and very important things, especially uh, recent year in Beijing. For example, we try to protect our very interesting heritage that in the in the center of the the old city of Beijing, we call it the central access. Is uh, the complex of building ensemble and the urban space in the center area is uh, rule these uh, city plan pattern. Several years ago, very few people can really understand what is this Beijing central access. Nobody knows. But recent year, we have uh, some work involved more people interested about that to introduce the value of this size. The people really interest. For example, last year, we organized uh, 15 public symposiums. More than 10 million people online to listen to that. And this year, we organized uh, 16 uh, symposiums for, for that, the lectures for that. It's uh, almost a double, you know, it's uh, 18 million people, you know, uh, listen to these lectures and the symposiums. So it's re- people really interested about that. And also, we have a competition for transformation of this message, give the story of the other people. So for this competition, more than 32,000 people join it, participate in it, to do this work. The youngest is only three and a half years old. The oldest is uh, 86 years old. So all of them are interested about heritage sites. So make me very exciting, you know. So it's important. I think it's so. It's most important. You know, sometimes we say the protect is most important. All the the reuse is uh, is important. But I think the community really involve it, interest it. I think it's the really important things. Everyone pulling together, including the communities yeah. that are involved or where these sites are located. Is very important because if they don't take ownership of uh, these properties, then then they are doomed if no one is taking their pride in what is around them and what is part of their history. That's it for today's episode. Let me thank my guest, Professor Liu Zhou, Director of the National Heritage Center at Tsinghua University, and Mr. Swaibu Varisu, the Executive Director of the African World Heritage Fund. Thank you for listening, and until next time, take care. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.